Welcome to the Wellness Wave Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Locke, and my goal is to help you help yourself unlock your full potential for receiving abundance and success. Every Monday, jumpstart your week by empowering yourself with knowledge and advice about wellness and personal growth, biohacking and habit stacking, manifestation and nervous system regulation, and so much more. And remember that slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. Wellness is a lifestyle and a movement to create a world full of people who feel safe, strong, and loved. And practicing good wellness habits can have a ripple effect on those you surround yourself with. So with that, let's create waves. Hello, hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Sarah, and let's get right into it. I got to set the scene for you guys. I'm drinking a ooh, a cup of coffee. Uh-oh. This is very off-brand for me, but I just was in the mood today, and I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with drinking a cup of coffee every once in a while, as long as you're doing so with intention, you're doing it mindfully, uh, you know, you're you're only drinking coffee once you already put food in your belly because caffeine on an empty stomach can spike your cortisol levels in a way that your hormones have a hard time regulating and can cause stress and anxiety. But if you put a little food and balance and stabilize that blood sugar first, then it can make the process of drinking coffee much more enjoyable and less harsh on your stomach. So that's where I'm at right now. Drinking a cup of coffee, probably going to get some water as well. In other news, I just got a brand new podcasting microphone. So my sound may be a little bit different than you're used to. I honestly am not sure if the quality is going to be better than my other microphone. So we'll see if I continue using this. It's the Logitech Blue Yeti. The main reason that I purchased it was for transportability purposes because it's a simple USB microphone. So I can just take the microphone. It's on its own little stand. So I don't have to bring like a whole setup. I've got for my other microphone, I've got an interface and a giant microphone stand and it's just not very practical. So I want to be able to chat with you guys and share what's going on with you guys no matter where I'm at in the world. And this is going to make it easier for me to do that. Plus it's an adorable white microphone and it's very aesthetic looking. If you are into podcasting yourself or even if you're into like streaming or gaming of any kind, I'm sure that you stumbled across this microphone at some point. So yeah, I'm going to see how it turns out once I get into the post-production phase, once I do my mixing and editing and all of that jazz. We'll see what it sounds like. But regardless of whether this becomes the go-to podcasting mic or not, it's nice to have something that I can take with me when I travel and go other places to keep up with my promise to release episodes weekly. Also, happy spring! We just passed the spring equinox earlier this week, and in celebration, I participated in my my local yoga studio's 108 spring equinox sun salutations. It was a free class, which I, you know, I had to had to go for. It was a nice way to challenge myself. And then immediately after, I got to go to free restorative yoga, which took place while the sun was setting. It was truly magical. Even though the sun salutations were really uncomfortable and I struggled through it, I was really proud of myself for committing to it. And I really just laughed at myself through a lot of it. I've done the the 108 sun salutations once before, but it was when I was maybe 16 years old. So my body is obviously at a very different phase in life. However, I will say, I think that I'm the strongest that I've ever been now. Um... Just because I've been working out so much, I've been strength training, I've been really listening to my body and like 
flowing with the cycles of my, my menstrual cycle, really. I still want to do another episode on that, but I really wanted to get through a couple of months of doing it consistently until I could really give my honest feedback and thoughts in addition to the science behind it. But anyways, my body is a little bit more into its womanhood adult phase now. I'm not really a teenage girl anymore. So it was really interesting getting to compare those experiences. I did make the mistake of wearing a long sleeve tallow set, which I was very glad to have during restorative yoga, especially once the sun set, but it definitely really intensified the heat during the sun salutations. So was definitely in flow with the fiery energy that's coming our way with summer. <laughs> um, and yeah, again, like building up that heat, getting that um, transformative energy flowing through my body, the passion, fuego. Uh, I did have a few moments where I felt embarrassment coming up because I felt like I was having a really hard time compared to other people in the class. I had to remind myself that a lot of people in that class were either really intense yogis or even teachers in training. I also got really sweaty in places that I did not know I could sweat, lol. And you could see it through my set because it was kind of like light gray and of course, I was in the front row because that's where my friends had her mat up. Um, yeah, so I was like in my groin and armpits and like my boobs and all of all of those fun places where you really don't like love letting people know that you're sweating there. But it was good. It was cleansing. You know, all the lymphatic system really got going and flowing. Um, and, but yeah, I was just felt myself getting self-conscious. But it really is so true that things are only embarrassing if you feel embarrassed. So I just kind of laughed it off. I was just enjoying my silly self. And then in the restorative class, I did feel a little bit more advanced. So it was really interesting feeling that dynamic and switching roles between the two classes. It's just a great reminder of progress and that we really all are on our own unique journeys, not just when it comes to exercise, but when it comes to any area of our lives when we're trying to see improvement, whether it's our health and eating habits, whether it's our career, whether it's our social progress, <laughs> our relationships, our finances, we don't need to compare ourselves to others. The only person that we need to be comparing ourselves to is who we were when we showed up yesterday. But the fact that we're still showing up is enough. We don't even really need to be doing that comparison because our bodies are always shifting and changing and our needs are going to shift and change with that. So it's just about listening to your own body and not judging yourself based on what you see happening around you. The thing, though, that really got me through the class, especially the sun salutation class, instead of getting really overwhelmed by it and wanting to give up, was having fun, which is what today's episode is all about. Laughing at myself, laughing with the other people in the class who I know were struggling just as much as I was mentally, if not physically. There was one point in the class when I think we were just a little over halfway through and Seven Rings by Ariana Grande came on, and I was singing along with it as best as I could while following my breath and moving with it, kind of like getting into a little rhythm, a bounce, like breathing with the beat of the song. Being the main character in my movie honestly just boosted my energy so much for the rest of this class. Having fun 
really is the secret to a fulfilling life. It is the spice of life. What is the point of anything if we are not enjoying ourselves and having fun? It is the essence of a healthy, vibrant life. Let's be honest. Most of us have those periods of life where we absolutely dread everything. It all feels so heavy and hard. We are met with a lot of resistance and even the things that we once enjoyed start to feel bad and they don't feel good anymore. Or we end up only feeling satisfied by fulfilling certain addictions. This can be as seemingly minuscule as using our phones or as dangerous as using drugs. In general, people who struggle with addiction just don't feel satisfied by regular life. In our modern age, in which the majority of us have our survival needs met, life can actually feel really boring because we don't have anything to actually keep us busy. Like it's not, there's no life or death situation, right? So our nervous system is like confused as heck because there is no, there is very little good stress and we end up creating stressful situations for ourselves that are really dysregulating and leave us in this constant state of low-grade inflammation from chronic stress. And there's also this assumption that negative and painful emotions and positive, joyful emotions are opposites, which like is kind of true, but not really. They're actually correlated. They're co-located in the brain, meaning the same area of the brain processes both pleasure and pain. Your brain and most biological features really crave homeostasis. They crave that neutral position. They crave the balance, the yin and yang, the elements of maybe like the masculine and feminine. Um, So whenever it tips to one side of the scale too far, the brain pretty quickly attempts to rebalance things with an equal and opposite reaction. This is why we always feel a come down after a high, whether it be after a really amazing week of travel, a night out partying with friends, or anything that sends our dopamine soaring. But as I'm sure you've heard in health class, when they talked about drugs, your threshold for dopamine becomes higher and higher until nothing is enjoyable without the substance because your brain is constantly compensating by down-regulating dopamine, you'll be left in this dopamine deficit place. So that pain actually becomes the motivating driver for why you do anything. And this pain can show up in really subtle ways. It may not be in your face, searing, like, ow, I'm being stabbed in the gut kind of pain, but rather just a general discomfort. And a lot of people feel really uncomfortable with discomfort right? And a lot of us actually begin to associate discomfort with negativity, with something that should be avoided, with something that's bad, instead of realizing that discomfort can actually be the portal to our most energizing, exciting, fun, fulfilling experiences. So knowing this about the relationship between pain and pleasure we can become more conscious of what activities are spiking our dopamine levels or draining them, whether excessive phone use, junk food, or drugs. And then we can more effectively combat the stress of having those things taken away from us. This is the first step to relearning how to have more fun and take life less seriously. It's just simple awareness. And also acknowledging again that 
fun and pleasure are not necessarily the same things. And pleasure and pain are not necessarily opposite concepts. We really begin to thrive when we learn how to exist in that middle ground. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have the pain and the pleasure. Those are both really important in order for us to have an interesting life that keeps us engaged. But we have to recognize that we must have a balance of both in order to live a full life. To reemphasize this concept that fun and pleasure are not the same thing, we can actually have fun when we are experiencing pain and we can have fun when we are experiencing pleasure. So the key that I want to talk about in this episode is learning how to have fun through all of those waves, those ups and downs, the wellness wave, if you will, of pain and pleasure. If you are in a safe place to do so, I'd love to guide you through this little journaling exercise. So take a sip of water or whatever you're drinking, open up your journal, and let's explore the following questions. First of all, what habits do I resort to when I'm stressed or in pain? Write down everything, and there will be both quote-unquote good and quote-unquote bad things on the list. Now, of course, everything in moderation is a big a principle that I like to live by. But in general, just again, like knock out everything, kind of brain dump everything that you do when you're feeling bad. So this could include sitting down on the couch and watching TV, or it could include getting into bed and cuddling your animals. It could include eating some sort of junk food. It could include eating some sort of healthy food or drinking a cup of coffee or journaling you know, what you're doing right now. So all of the things, write all those down. So pause this for a moment and write down that list. So after you've written down this list, I want you to make three columns labeled energy givers, energy takers, and energy neutralizers. Now, of course, to an extent, everything we do takes energy, right? Because our bodies are constantly converting and utilizing energy Blah, blah, blah. But I'm more specifically talking about your spiritual slash emotional energy here. So to more clearly explain what goes under each of these three columns, energy givers are habits that leave you feeling energized and better, more grounded after you finished using them. So not necessarily during the actual activity, but afterwards. So making a nourishing homemade meal, drinking a big glass of water, taking a cold shower, going to bed early, time spent in nature, buying yourself a fresh bouquet of flowers, these kinds of things. Energy takers may feel good in the moment, but when you're done, you either want more because you feel unsatisfied or you just feel bad in general. So eating a tub of ice cream, (laughs) that's not going to make you feel very good after. It might feel good in the moment, but probably not after. Maybe drinking a lot of alcohol, it's probably not going to leave you feeling super great. Hanging out with toxic people who you know aren't going to make you feel better, but in the moment it feels good, right? Now, there may be some gray area between some of these things. And those are the habits that I really encourage you to pay attention to over these next few weeks. And these are what I am going to call your energy neutralizers. So these might be things that ground you in a way that maybe it causes you a little bit of stress, but overall it 
uplifts your mood and elevates you. So this could be like creating a project for work that has some slight pressure behind it, working on a challenging problem, exercising, working out. That's something that definitely drains your energy, but it also makes you feel more energized in many cases. Sleeping in. Sometimes you need to do this. Sometimes it is what you what will help you feel more rejuvenated. But sometimes it, you wake up and you feel that grogginess of oversleeping. Meditation. For a lot of people, meditation is really exhausting and really challenging. And if you're new to meditating, you may have experienced this yourself. But over time, you kind of build up this, this tolerance to being able to sit with your thoughts for a long period of time. And you actually begin to really enjoy the process and feel really invigorated by it. So... Again, writing down these neutralizers are are the activities and practices that may not be so black and white in how they're impacting you. But I very firmly believe that our greatest potential for fun, flow, and success lies within these neutralizers. Now, why do I think this? Well, first of all, we need stress. We need challenge. We need a balance between giving and receiving energy. A little stress is good and it's ultimately fun. I use this example of exercise. That's an example of putting stress on your body in a way that's healthy and productive. My partner, he rock climbs a lot and that is something that is obviously very mentally and physically stressful on the body, but it also makes him feel incredibly invigorated, incredibly in flow. I I don't know if he would admit this, but I think it's a very spiritual experience for him. But when we take everything so seriously, we put pressure on it in a way that takes away our sense of safety. Taking everything so seriously like this tells the nervous system, it programs the mind to believe that if we don't achieve X or do Y, then our literal sense of well-being, our, our, our life is at risk. Because that mechanism in the mind this, that protects us from life-threatening danger doesn't know the difference between being late to work or having a a presentation that could put our job on the line and literally like not having access to food or shelter or the things that are actually what keep us safe and alive. So in order for us to not feel bombarded by this sense of stress and overwhelm, We need to learn how to have more fun. And having fun truly is a mindset. People who look like they're having fun, they look like they're being illuminated from within, right? This sense of joy and radiance is, and it's the essence of life. It is what makes us feel lively and vibrant. I recently listened to this TED Talk by author Catherine Price, and she discusses three factors that compose what fun is. And those factors are playfulness, connection, and flow. So playfulness doesn't literally mean having to play games, although I will use some analogies regarding playing with games and how this shows up showed up in our childhood and etc. But it just is about having a lighthearted attitude and approach towards the efforts that you take in life. So smiling more being silly and goofy and like I said earlier about that embarrassment and how things are only embarrassing if you feel embarrassed, doing things that 
any sane, rational person might feel embarrassed doing, but you're not a sane, rational person. You're someone who likes to have fun and go against the grain of what is considered normal. And unfortunately, having fun seems to have become a rebellious act almost. It's something that is a privilege, which I don't think that that's the case. I think that fun should be is, is like a main ingredient of life. It's not something that is optional in order to live a healthy, fulfilling, longevity-filled life. And then Catherine Price discusses the second ingredient, which is connection. That's pretty obvious, connecting with other people, that co sense of co-regulation. We have evolved. I mean, since the beginning of times, we needed our communities in order to feel safe and comfortable. And the same thing goes now. If we don't have people in our lives who we can really enjoy all of the chaos of life with, there's no point in it all. And that's why, you know, the pandemic and that lockdown was so traumatizing and devastating for so many people because it really broke that connection. It disconnected us from our our fellow spirits. And there's this increasing polarization that just doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. But I believe we can fight against it. We can bring people back together. We can create the sense of community that flows between everyone and everything. But it has it, it requires some intentional effort, right? And then the third ingredient is flow. I learned about flow state in several circumstances, but actually while I was in music school, first from my professor, Dr. Thompson, who was my main um, music technology professor, and we talked a lot about this when it came to the audio recording process. And then again, in my meditation course, I took a meditation for musicians course. It was amazing. Um, and we talked a lot about flow state from the psychologist Mahaley Csikszentmihalyi. I don't know. I might have pronounced mispronounced his name, but <laughs> hopefully I did a good job. He was a happiness researcher in the mid-20th century. He was actually a prisoner during World War II, and he observed that many people were unable to live a life of content because either they didn't have a job, they didn't have a home, they were feeling really financially insecure. And so he took an interest in understanding what makes a life worth living. He became really interested in the work of Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist who I'm sure many of you have heard of, but he also talked a lot about the trauma experienced by the European people after World War II. And so this is what led Carl Jung down into his understanding of flow state. He was a leading proponent of this concept that happiness is not rigid and it's not unchanging. It's actually the manifestation of committed efforts. And each person has some degree of control over their happiness and that people are most happy and productive and creative when they are in a flow state. And this is why Athletes, musicians, artists, they frequently describe their experiences and their work as very spiritual. Maybe they're not using that terminology exactly, but there are these similar threads that can be pinpointed throughout the experiences of these various people. And that is the results of their flow state. And this is just when people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience is so enjoyable that they'll continue to do it 
at a great cost for the sheer, sheer sake of doing it. Csikszentmihalyi described eight characteristics of flow, which are complete concentration, clarity of goals, transformation of time, so either time speeds up or slows down. The experience is intrinsically rewarding. It doesn't have any reward other than just feeling good within the body. Um, effortlessness and ease. There's also a balance between challenge and skills. And then this effortlessness and ease and the fun have, having done it. Um, also, actions and awareness are merged. So you kind of lose the sense of ego and that self-conscious rumination. And there's also a feeling of control. So that is how he describes flow. And that's how my understanding of it has, has been for many years now. So that is the third ingredient of fun. And the really interesting component of that to me is this idea of challenge and how we need to hit that right threshold so it's not it's not too intense that it overwhelms us, but it's not so easy that it's boring and not very interesting. It doesn't stimulate us in any way. It's also important to establish that it's possible to be in flow and not have fun. It has to also have those elements of connection and playfulness to be truly considered fun. Because, I mean, how many times have we heard musicians and artists and athletes talk about, um, you know, it's just like this intense obsession to the point where it becomes unenjoyable almost, but they feel like they have to do it anyways because they're, they'll literally die without it. That was me at one point when I was pursuing music, to be honest, and that was why I decided to step away from it and take a break because it was really overwhelming my existence in a way in which I... I had attached my value to my ability to perform and produce as a musician instead of just understanding my intrinsic value and worthiness as a human being. So I've, I've definitely done a lot of healing from that. And interestingly, when I reflect on the times when I really had fun as an artist and as a musician, they were when I was working with other musicians and collaborating. I had that sense of connection and also the sense of playfulness of just messing around, improvising, not being so serious about like, we have to have this recording done by this deadline in order to be successful. Or like sometimes the deadline was was a fun part of it because it gave us that challenge. It, it, it forced us into that flow state especially when I was with people that I enjoyed working with. For example, during my final project of my audio recording class, we spent hours and hours in the studio together. We just really enjoyed getting to know each other while working and being in the same mindset, working on the same project together. Um, it was a really special experience. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I would be working on my own music by myself and I would find myself getting so burnt out either trying to record the same passage vocally over and over again and just not getting it perfect to the where I would really be hard on myself because I didn't understand why I couldn't just get it right and I would beat myself up again, because I had attached my worthiness to what I was able to produce musically and it stopped being fun for me. So it just goes to show fun can really be the difference between something that's healthy and good for us and something that harms us and is actually very detrimental. But fun makes us present. It energizes us and it unites us and it makes us truly healthier. It can literally reverse hormonal imbalance 
bounces that set us up for disease. So it is a health intervention. These are Catherine Price's words, not mine. Health, Having fun is a health intervention. I love that so much. It just feels so good to have fun. And when we think about the experiences in which we've really thrived and enjoyed life, you know, there's, there's an element to it that isn't just as simple as like, oh yeah, that was a good time. It was decent. It's like this truly magical life altering experience. We feel that crash afterwards that come down because it was just such an amazing time. I know for me, I think of music festivals, like music festivals are the perfect example of me just having so much fun, that connection to everyone else who is attending the festival, that flow of listening to music and just dancing and being being in the zone. And then the playfulness of just running around from stage to stage and dancing and being silly and goofy with friends and family and meeting new people, making new fr- connections. It's just such a beautiful experience of and a beautiful expression of the human condition at its peak. I'm going to go back to this example of me working on my music as a solo artist. So there have been several points in my life where I've actually had, it felt like the universe was acting against me to prevent me from making music. And one example of this was I suffered from vocal nodules for many years throughout the end of my high school and into my college years. If you don't know what vocal nodules are, it's essentially calluses that form on the folds of your vocal cords or on your vocal folds and make it so that they're very rigid. Your your vocal cords, <laughs> they kind of look like a vagina and they, they flop against each other almost like um, the visual that I'm having is is like a butterfly wings. You know how butterfly wings actually kind of like ride up like a wave against each other? I'm probably not doing a good job of explaining that visualization. But when they get callous, they become very rigid and they can't uh, f- like fold properly. I mean, they can't vibrate properly. Anyways, so that was a huge blockage in my throat chakra. I felt like the universe was acting out against me. I've also had challenges with my my hands and my joints in my fingers so I've had a hard time playing guitar but all of these things have caused me to judge myself and turn the problem from you know this is a challenge that I'm having to overcome into this is a problem with my existence and this is something that's wrong with me rather than just a situation that I've been put in. So we need to stop judging ourselves. We get conditioned to take our lives so seriously. We're constantly judging ourselves. We're constantly judging others. And when things don't go as planned, it can feel like our world is crumbling around us. So the more seriously that you take life, you take this journey in general, the more resistance that you're going to end up creating for yourself. So the more that I let these these challenges get under my skin and stop me from doing what I loved. Again, it was just like the further down that path of like tying my worth to my ability to create and just greater frustration, an inability to have fun. Like I was taking myself so seriously. I felt really embarrassed because I couldn't perform optimally. So when I did have an opportunity to perform in somebody in front of somebody, it, I, di- I wasn't doing my best and that felt really uncomfortable and awkward for me. But what I've come to realize now is all of those experiences and opportunities are actually just the universe testing me to see if 
I have what it takes to overcome those obstacles and also to see if I can do it with grace and with a sense of humor. And at that point in my life, I didn't have the tools to do that. But now I'm at a place where I can make music with a lighthearted, playful attitude and it's something that I don't attach my value to and that feels incredible. I I'm able to use my music as a healing modality both for myself and for other people. That's actually where Slock Sounds initially came from is that I was making music, but it's kind of morphed into something bigger than that because this idea of sound, it's about sharing your voice, your authentic expression. It's about observing all of the sounds that are coming to you from all directions at all times and not just sounds in the literal sense, but but by like truly listening to your body, to your mind, to your spirit, to the environment, to what's going on in the world. And, you know, that can look like reading things too. It doesn't have to be using your ears literally. It can be feeling things too. You know, we listen in so many ways, not just orally with our ears. And when we can listen and observe without taking everything so seriously, we realize that everything is temporary. All that truly exists is just the essence, the core of your being. And we're we're just reminded that it's not so difficult to ride the waves of life. It can be fun, like surfing. I mean, you think about surfers and the um, stereotypes that come along with surfers is they are just very carefree. They are very easygoing. They don't let things stick and get to you get to them so easily. Uh, I've been watching Outer Banks recently, so this is, uh, okay, that show is honestly toxic, and if you haven't started watching it, I don't recommend it because it'll just make you angry, which is literally, like, I've never had a show make me angry in my life, but it does have me thinking a lot about surfers and this very, like, nonchalant attitude and how they can kind of roll with the punches, really, and they can shift and adjust accordingly, and they don't hold a lot of attachment to their situation, to their circumstances. And so rather have this rigid mentality and attitude, or in the case of my vocal folds, get rigid and be unable to sing and really use my voice authentically, we need to be able to flow with things and be able to have fun with the highs and lows and with the ups and downs and recognize that nothing is permanent. And we only have a limited amount of time here, so we might as well enjoy it while we have the time. That being said, we need to know when it's time to put down the controller, when it's time to take a break. Think about playing video game. This can be really fun for a little bit, but everyone has had that experience where they get obsessive and addicted and toxic and it stops being fun. So take some time to know which games you actually enjoy playing because we don't have to have fun playing every single game. We don't have to play every single game. There are so many different ways that we can go about this in our lives. And that's, you know, with the music, I had to stop playing music because it was, it stopped being fun. I had to put, put down my guitar. I had to put away my, my, uh, all my little gear and tools and stuff. And I had to step away from it because it wasn't enjoyable anymore and it wasn't worth it to me. I think about, this game, I used to play this Bowser game on the Nintendo DS. I was obsessed with it. And eventually I got to this level where I could not beat the boss for the life of me. I played it over and over again until I literally made myself nauseous. I couldn't play it anymore. And after that, I don't think I ever even touched my Nintendo DS again. I think that was the last, the last game where I really was into my DS. I may have played like Mario Bros or something like that years down the line. 
but it just stopped being fun. I didn't want to hold on to that controller for one more second. So are we actually having fun? Are we doing something because we think it's supposed to be fun and good? Are we doing it because it genuinely feels aligned with our spirit? Fun, you know, we're kind of sloppy about how we use this word fun. For me, when I think about or what, what comes to mind for me is staying out late and drinking. I associated this with fun for such a long time and it was fun for a brief period. It was chaotic. It was full of laughter. There was always some kind of drama. It was very rebellious, but it wasn't actually fun for me. And eventually it started making me sick. It started making me feel bad about myself and like I wasn't actually being a productive person according to like my goals and my visions, not according to what society deems as productive, but to my own values, if that makes sense. So if you still have your journal open, I encourage you to dive into that a little bit as well. Look at the things in your life that you are supposed to think are fun, but you don't actually have fun doing them. Or perhaps things that you see other people having fun doing, but when you really think about putting yourself into that situation, it doesn't feel aligned. It doesn't feel good. Like, you know, traveling, for example. There are so many influencers that show themselves traveling all around the world. And for me, as much as I love the idea of that and I do want to do more traveling, I honestly think I would get so exhausted doing all that all the time. And I think it would burn me out really quickly if I was constantly hopping from place to place. Now, you know, if I ever get an opportunity to travel the world and I don't have to invest a ton of time and energy and money into it, then, you know, maybe I'll, we'll see, we'll see. Cause I, we're always endlessly evolving, right? We're always changing and shifting. And what we want, as I said, towards the beginning of this episode is going to shift according to our energy. But in order to have fun right now in this moment, focus on those ingredients that we discussed earlier from Catherine Price. Um, and those are playfulness, building connection, and getting into a flow state. So playfulness, I think, is the most important thing that we can do because we always have the ability to be playful no matter what situation we are in. We can dance. We can use a silly voice to talk in or walk around goofy. I think about my mom and sister and I when we are all together. We have just the most vibrant energy and there's this really silly little move that we would always do like I think it started because we were in New York City together and we were walking down you like have your knees open wide and then like your fingers like you've got um little crab claws and then you like hunch up your shoulders and it's I don't know (laughs) it's very very goofy and we would just like do stupid stuff like that, but it has us literally cracking up peeing our pants. And that's kind of the essence of what we want to achieve here. And once again, it's only embarrassing if you feel embarrassed. So if honestly, like I have found in my personal experience that when I am like open and goofy and silly and doing things that maybe like your limiting belief tells you is like, you know, embarrassing and wrong that people are going to think you're stupid. That honestly seems to attract the most positive energy from people and it really lights up other people around you. So like you have to think about it that way. By having fun and making a fool of yourself, you are making other people's days just a little bit brighter and you're encouraging them to have more fun and take life less seriously too. It's like this pay it forward mentality of the more fun that you have yourself, the more vibrant and joyful you can be, that's going to be be infectious to other people. 
And if people want to judge you for that or, you know, be all weird and rude, that is entirely, entirely their problem and not yours. So don't let somebody else's projection of their energy impact you because to be honest, like if somebody is having a problem with you because you're being silly and goofy and having a good time, they're probably just jealous of you because they wish that they could fully embody that expression themselves and they can. They just don't realize it because they have this limiting belief and blockage that for whatever reason, they're not worthy of having fun, you know, which is really sad. But all we can do is encourage people to live their best life, right? Another thing I would encourage you to do if you're looking to have more fun in your daily life is to find it a new creative hobby. I took an eight-week beginner ceramics class this year, and I'm really sad it's over. I'm hoping to get back into it soon. But being bad at something, giving myself proficient what permission to be bad at something was so much fun and it's messy honestly doing things that are messy and like allow you to be chaotic are so fun so painting and again ceramics maybe baking is a is a great way to do this um going like a candle making class or a bouquet arrangement class, um, things like that, you know, get creative. There are so many opportunities in your community, I guarantee it, for you to fully enjoy yourself and not take anything so seriously. And it really teaches you how to carry that attitude into your daily life. It's also really fun to talk to God and talk to the universe without putting so much weight on it. Just have a goofy conversation as if you were talking to your best friend while you're talking to the universe. See where it goes. (laughs) It could end up in a pretty wacky place. Also, last resort, you can always watch silly cat videos on YouTube. That always brightens up my day and puts me in a better attitude too. Just be silly and giggly. The reality is though, everything is just a game. Whether you want to believe that we live in a video game or like a computer or not, We can definitely look at things with this attitude of like, we're here for a good time, not a long time. And I mean, your lifespan, if you live to be 90 years old, which is a pretty long life, that is not a long time in the grand scheme of things. I think about the fact that if I live a long, healthy life, I am already over a fourth of the way through my life, which, you know, seems like I've got a lot of time left, again, considering that some tragedy doesn't take me before then. (laughs) You know, we'll see what happens, I guess. The universe is going to take me when it wants to. I've just kind of surrendered to that at this point. But point being, don't have a long time here. So just treat it as a game because what's more fun than that? When you reflect on your childhood, I encourage you to do that right now, actually. Go back into your journals and write down the things that you had the most fun doing as a little kid. So for me, I think about playing with my Barbies and American Girl dolls. I think about playing hide and seek in the basement. We played this game with our really good family friends called Kick the Can. And basically the person who is it would count to to 10 or to 30 or whatever. I don't know. They would count. And Everybody would have to try and make it from their hiding space to the can, which normally was just a pillow, before the person caught them. Um, I think – I can't remember if they had to just see them or they had to actually tag them. I don't remember. But it was very, very fun. And we would play outside in the creek. That's another opportunity that was always so just enchanting to me. I think about it all the time. We would 
walk all the way back in the creek on all the way to this waterfall area in the back um, in, in our neighborhood. I also think about writing stories. I used to write the longest fictional stories. I, I literally wrote like an 80 or 90 page story when I was in seventh grade. And I got set in such a flow state doing that. And I did a lot of research on like, it was all about, um, it was kind of inspired by like Percy Jackson. It had that kind of vibe. You can even do a visualization exercise with this, like literally go back to your childhood and embody that child self or even meet that child self as your current self and have a conversation. Say like, you know, what is it that you love now? And what would bring you a lot of joy to see in the future? Like what what would bring you joy to know that we still do this? I think the younger version of me would love to know that I have a beautiful home that I cook in. I loved playing house as a little kid too. I think that the younger me would really love that. And also that I have a really happy relationship think younger me would love to know that we still love solving problems and that we love helping people, that we are still very creative and we're constantly finding new ways to to fulfill that creative spark and energy. Also, I think a younger me would be really excited to know that we have a podcast. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but as a little kid, I used to do like mirror interviews with myself where I would literally be like talking to myself in the mirror as if I was on a you you know on like a TV show being interviewed, like freaking Jimmy Fallon or something. <laughs> my whole life, I've just really felt a call to share my voice. So I think that my child self would be very proud of the fact that we are doing that now. I also want you to remember that in most games, you aren't giving your energy away for free. You're very rarely giving resources away unless you are giving, uh, getting something in return. So keep that in mind as you are utilizing your energy and giving out your energy, that you are doing it because it's this cycle and that energy will come back to you. When you pay it forward, the universe is going to pay it back. But you also have to expect that. You have to be open to receiving it. You can't close yourself off from receiving it. So stop giving away your energy for free. We're going to do another episode on that very soon. But in the meantime, just give yourself permission to enjoy life a little bit more. Stop feeling so caught up in the seriousness of it all because it's not that serious. It's not that deep. You know what I'm saying? To wrap up this episode, a little stress is a good thing. Have fun with connection, playfulness, and flow. And just remember that everything is a game and it's all going to be okay. If you made it to this point in the episode, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave me an Apple or Spotify review, I'd love to get those five stars from you, girly. Share this episode with your loved ones. Save it for another listen in the future because I know you are going to need a reminder. I need these reminders myself. And give me a follow. Also a follow on at Slock Sounds and at the Wellness Wave Pod. Please tag me if you post this on your story, uh, which I would love for you to do. And as always, thank you so much for being a part of this little community I'm building here. I have got some really exciting things in the works that I know a lot of you are going to be pumped about. I will provide more details for that uh, the sooner we get to the, the launch date, but it is launch date worthy. So keep that in mind. I will 
talk to you next time. And I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your week. You keep riding those waves because you are capable of anything. You are powerful and you're going to receive whatever you desire. That's just it's as simple as that. Thank you so much for joining me this week in the safe space of the Wellness Wave podcast. If you would like to support me and my show, I would be so grateful if you left a Spotify or iTunes review, followed me on my social channels at Slock Sounds or at the Wellness Wave Pod, or shared with a friend or family member who you know would infinitely benefit from listening. Until next Monday, have a beautiful week with the intention of creating waves.